Hey, I'm Dina Blizzard, and you're watching One Funny Morning. Welcome to One Funny Morning Show. From Monday to Friday. And sometimes on Saturday. Why would you say that for all these people? You never know what's going to happen. Carmen. Cortez. Good morning, everybody. What's outside your weather door? Good morning. Uppy, uppy. Uppy, everybody. Hey everyone, good morning. It's Jennifer Jeffries from Tampa, Florida. I wanted to come on and say hello from a dirty parking lot. And I was feeling compelled while I was waiting for my friends here uh, to make this video because um, Dina became really aggressive this morning when she said that she's sharing all the time and we're not sharing anything. So I don't want us to get yelled at. So I wanted to make a video and send it in. So here it is. And I hope we have a great morning, everyone. Take it away, Dina. Jennifer Jeffries, that was amazing. Good morning, good morning. Listen, I don't know how many of those uh, morning show clips are left. Steph gets real nervous. I don't know if you know this, uh, but Steph, Steph likes having enough of those morning show clips so she can put them in and not have to worry. So that means you guys have to do your job, share, and you got to make some morning show videos. This is also for you, TikTok, if you would like to be, you won't see them. But send us a video. If you go to onefunnymother.com, hit community button, you'll be able to upload a morning show open. We'd love to see your faces. We enjoy it. Um, bum dia, Dina. I know what dia is. What's bum? Great. Wonderful. I don't know. I didn't get to that chatter, chapter yet. Butterscotch Panther. <gasps> Why didn't I pick that as my stage name? <laughs> Somebody, somebody on TikTok is butterscotch. I will send one. I've seen Stephanie nervous. Missy knows. You guys don't want that. Bomb is good. You to bomb. Um, butterscotch. What was it? Butterscotch. What? I already forgot it, but it was awesome. Um, good morning and welcome to a wonderful Monday morning. Said Bob Loud. Good morning in Portuguese. Oh, Cassia. Uh, Panther. Butterscotch Panther. Thank you, Brenda. Gosh. Do you guys know? I don't know if you know this. So when I started doing stand-up, um, I was reading every comedian, female comics uh, book I could find um, about how they started. And I read Joan Rivers. I read... Um, Who's, who's, gosh, I'm so tired. It's Monday, so I can't remember stuff. And um, she always wore moo-moos and her husband was Fang. Who am I talking about? It's a little game show this morning. You guys are playing. You don't know. You're like, oh, wait, I didn't know we were on a, I didn't know we were on a, on a game show. I want to call her Gladys, but that's not her name. It's it's not it. Fang. She was great. Um, Phyllis Diller, Allison, ding, ding. Oh, it's a couple of you got it. Athena, oh, Barb got it. Anna got it. So anyway, I wrote, I read both of their, um, their, uh, Irma Bombeck is not who I was talking about, but another good one. I did read all her books. 
Uh, anyway, Joan Rivers, her her birth name is Joan Walensky. And um, when she started doing comedy, uh, her manager said, you need a stage name. Uh, she did not pick Joan Rivers at first. Uh, her manager told her a good name for her would be Pepper January. And um, so that's what she went with. But I kind of feel like Butterscotch Panther might have been like a great second choice. Missy, I don't know if you're looking for a name. Butterscotch Panther is out there. Somebody has it on TikTok already, but that, that doesn't mean it's not open somewhere else. But Butterscotch is over here going, who is this lady trying to steal my name? Um, anyway, heading in for my colonoscopy. All right, Ronnie said, prayers I'm in remission. Crohn's warrior, hashtag, said Ronnie. Ronnie, we're sending you good vibes. We're also sending good vibes to Anthony. Um, we, if you missed it, then you need to sign up for our newsletter at onefunnymother.com. Uh, but our newsletter went out Saturday, maybe. Um, it was a busy weekend. Um, and uh, in there, what am I talking about? What was I talking about? Something on the newsletter. Something's in the newsletter. Oh, we announced the uh, hot dads of the month. Now we missed our January newsletter. Um, and Anthony was our hot dad of the month for January. And Sergio, who probably should have been the first, uh, hot dad for February. Uh, but Anthony's going through some health things right now. I'm not saying anything out of turn. His wife puts, put this out there. He was looking for, he needed some good vibes. So he won hot dad of the month. So it's a winning month. So we want to just send good wishes to Anthony. Um and just let him know everything. Um, Phyllis Diller and Fang, that's what she called her husband, Marsha. And it might be the greatest nickname of all time. And I love it. Um, so uh, read the newsletter last night. Still thinking about a car. I'm getting close. I'm somewhere between riding a bike and spending way too much money on a car. That's where I am in the car buying process. Um, I did look last night. I was like, Maybe there's something reasonable that I've overlooked. And then I looked and Honda is coming out with, I think the car is called the Prelude. And I was in, I was like, this is it. I'll just wait. I'll ride a bike until it comes out in 2024 and I'll be patient. And then I looked and it's a hundred percent electric. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I will not be, I will. If you think I go live from a dirty parking lot, a lot now, Oh, just wait till I'm in a full electric car. I'll be like, guys, <laughs> that's it. I live in this car now. I'm just constantly charging it. I can't do it. So that's what I am. I think one of my new neighbors is the Mata, Mazda CX-90. Yep. Fell asleep on his way to his pillow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love my, my Subaru Forester. I enjoy a Subaru. And if Subaru just got a little bougier, just a little bit, just, mm. Mm. Just like a like like a drop of pretty. That's all I need. That's mm-hmm. wait. I missed part of the open this morning because I had an ad for the Mazda CX ninety. Girl, you can't say anything on this show. My budget is being a hundred dollars and a million dollars, Linda. Thank you. I think you're low balling it at forty. It's a hundred dollars or a million dollars. I have lost all perspective officially. Um, so it's a whole thing. 
Uh, also, we have a lot to talk about today, but can we just stop for a second and talk about Friday's show with Jay Moore, Saturday's show with Adam Ferrara. It was hands down my favorite days ever. Not ever. I mean, I had some babies, but I feel like it was a very exciting time. The fact that both of them agreed to come to my kitchen uh, and Lulu greeted them as one would expect from a very high powered show like ours to have a great opening act that would kiss them all over. I'm sure when you do the Tonight Show, there's a dog that greets you in your green room, licks you all over your face. You take pictures, but I have, I, I didn't post it. I should post it. it was when Adam Ferrara and Lulu fell in love. I'd like to believe that the fellas left going, wow, that Dina Blizzard is something. But I feel like they left going, Dina was nice, but that Lulu. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say jealous is the word I would use, but uh, yeah. Yeah, those shows with Jay and Adam were so great. I really feel like kitchen guests give over to the talking way more than I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like we've been friends for years. I'm telling you, there's something about comedians in general. Like, I feel like like people used to say to me, they're like, you're so likable. You're so likable on stage. I never really understood what that meant. I was like, oh, that's nice. And then I showed up because when you're in Vegas, you have to show up the night before. So I showed up the night before and there's comics playing. So I went down to say hi. And this guy was on stage. And I was like, he is my best friend. I am, he is, he doesn't know it yet, but he is my best friend. I will make him my best friend. He was so likable. And I'm sure I came across as super creepy. Um, but we ended up working together a lot and he did become my best friend and, um, had a great time. But I think that when you get comics together, yeah. And you're just like, boom, boom, just. I got to I got to put some clips together. So if you missed it, you know, I'll, I'll put some clips together um, of some of the highlights of both of those interviews. But it was great. I ended up going to uh, Helium um, and doing some time on Adam's show on Saturday. So that was great. And um, yeah, um, along with his friends will be there. The interview was a friend that was there. Oh, nice, Angie. Um did Lady Di or Michelle tell you to put the flowers in the picture of Lulu there? Well, uh, so no, I've been thinking about it. I was like, this is kind of boring. We need something here. Thank you for noticing, Vianne. Um, and uh, I had to grab that table from the shed. Those are flowers from Andrea. She decorated our set. Um, so that was lovely. Uh, what prompted the invitations for them to come over? So Joni... Um, you know, we're close to Philly and uh, we have some wonderful um, clubs here between Philadelphia and Atlantic City. We just have a lot of talent that comes through. And um, yeah, he was even cracking up on a Saturday show, Margaret. What? Um, I thought it was funny that neither of them was I. I'm pretty sure I was drinking out of a jar and neither of them mentioned it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was funny. And I don't. I'll explain this, but I didn't, I won't explain this jar. Mm -hmm. I should get a guest jar. That's what I should do. 
I get one funny warning. That's all I did. I don't know where you find those jars. I think these are from yard sales, so I don't know. Um, I know. I did. I was. I was so into the interview. I was thirsty at some point, but they were making me laugh so hard. I didn't want to pick the jar up and like, like mess up their jam. Um, but it was so funny. And sometimes on Saturdays, I know. Um, so yeah, I don't ever say, yeah, I think I had it Friday, but I don't, if I did Saturday and it's just so funny. Cause it's so funny. Like, I don't know if you guys can tell from where you're watching, but like, um, you know, in order for us to fit into this tiny little screen, I have to tell people like, you have to be like up, we're going to be shoulder to shoulder. Like you're super close with people. And, um, I forgot to tell Jay, I was like, Jay, when you talk, like talk towards the camera, like it's going to be, it's awkward for us when you're sitting next to somebody, you're not looking at them. Um, and so at some point during the interview, he goes, am I supposed to look here or look at you? And I was like, no, you look there. He didn't though. And he just kept looking at me, but it's just so funny because it's, you're so you're, you're literally this close to the person. It's just real. So you become fairly close really quickly. I was just like, you go from like never meeting people to like, I think you had bacon this morning like that. It was just funny. Went to a local fundraiser comedy show. It was great seeing a female comedian in the lineup. She was hysterical. Paula, what was her name? She's like, I don't know. Listen, if you see a female comedian that you like, find out her name, tell people her name. That is our job. Um, so, uh, it was great. We had a great time. Jacqueline came. I've, I haven't played, um, the club in Philly, uh, helium because that's where the kids work. And I try to just like leave it for them. So I don't play there. Uh, but that's where he was on Saturday. So I went and did some time and it was just so funny because they don't really know me at that club, but they know Dean and Jacqueline. They work there, they play there. And so, uh, I'm in the green room. And uh, just one at a time, people would come in and you'd see them come around the corner like, hello, are you Dean and Jacqueline's mom? And I was just like, yes, I am Dean and Jack. So I was not a comedian, headlining comedian, Dean of Blizzard. I was, are you Dean and Jacqueline's mom? I am. It was adorable. Um, I'm behind on all Tipsy Tuesdays and mornings. Plus, I can't afford it, but I get to watch replays. Just been super busy. That's okay, Sherry. We'll put them on replay. Uh, we try to take out funny clips and show them to everybody. So hopefully, uh, yeah, poor Dean. He ruined his audition for Jerry Maguire. So close. So close. Except for the part where he was awkward and didn't know the lines. Other than that, he nailed it, I thought. That's what moms have to say. So uh, anyway, so that was fun. Had a great weekend. Um, and the Super Bowl was a thing. It was a good game. Um, everybody was like, who are you rooting for? And I was like, I have to see the outfits and then I'll let you know. And then they kind of matched. And then the, just, I was like, and Dean was like, I was like, which one is San Francisco? He's like the one in the red. I'm like, they both have red. Just tell me which pants they're wearing. He was like, nobody goes by the pants. I'm like, I need to go by the pants. <gasps> Dina trying to get Dana to see you at the Levi. Mom and I are coming. Oh, Dawn, I can't wait to see you. It's been forever. I'm going to find you guys. Wait after the show. I have to see your mom. I haven't seen your mom forever. Um, oh, my gosh. And then I was cracking up because the night before um, Jay was supposed to. So they did. They were they were like late additions to the week, right? So it was like crazy. So 
Thursday night, clean the whole house. Let me digress. I clean everything from my ankles up. I don't have time to do ankles down. Okay. It just, it was too much. And I was like, maybe guys don't look at floors. Girls look at floors. Girls look at baseboards. Guys look at tires. And now that I'm looking for tired, I'm looking for a car. um, I'll ask guys, Hey, what do you think about that? Like what kind of tires does it have? I'm like ones that turn. It has wheels that turn. Guys love to talk about hubcaps. Why? I didn't even know it had a hubcap. I don't, I'm like, does it have a heated seat? It's very funny what's important. They're like, what's the horsepower? I'm like, I don't know. It has an engine and it goes vroom. I don't know. So I said to Jay, I only cleaned the house from the ankles up. I said, hopefully you didn't look at the floor. And then he was like, Dina, I was on your floor rolling around with your dog for like 15 minutes. I was like, should have told you not to do that. Don't sit on the couch. Then I think he did. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about. Yeah. What's his name? Yelling Travis. Is it Travis? Um, that seemed a little aggressive yesterday. I have not seen that side of him. Not that I know him very well, but it was like real intense. Real intense. And then they kept going to a close-up of Andy Reid. And the whole time Andy was like, he had that, he had that thing in his hand. I was cracking up, right? Because they all have this thing in their hand and they go like this, right? Da 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 da. They do this. But it's laminated now. Did anybody notice that it's laminated? Has it always been laminated? And I just didn't know the whole time. I was like, Dean, do you think that's a Wendy's menu? Do you think in between the places, like, I think I'm going to get the fries, the number two. Like, in my mind, he's, like, coaching, and he was like, pressure, 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 pressure. <laughs> think I should get the baked potato? I don't know. Was I the only one that was thinking that? It seemed weird. He threw his helmet at another game? No. Yeah, listen, if you want to, like, yell and scream because you're a man and you got a lot of stuff, fine. But he, like, uh, like, to the point where Andy Reid got almost got not you can't knock old people over. Yeah, come on. Come on now. Yeah. I wonder if he I'm sure that he was apologizing for that. But I can't um, uh, um Travis yelled at Andy Reid while Andy was trying to read the Wendy's menu. And it was after like a fumble of some kind. It was like real dramatic. Um, And uh, it was just a lot. I just can't imagine being at a place in my head where I think I'm so important that whatever fumble just happened, I was like, you need to put me in so I can fix it. I'll be like, that's, yeah, I don't know. I know. Leslie, that's what I mean. I was like, come on now. Come on. It's a laminate so you can use dry erase markers on it and draw out the plays. That's exactly what I thought right after I thought it was a Wendy's menu. That is exactly where I went. So, um, yeah. 14 times they showed Taylor Swift. Ugh. Let her have some fun. She was working last night. Yeah, you're not Jim Wagner. You can't knock over old people. Thank you, Jamie, for giving us some perspective. (laughs) 
That's so crazy. And then I didn't watch the end where they do the awards, but did um, Travis speak at all? And if he did, did he thank Taylor Swift? Because don't you remember when Taylor Swift just won a Grammy and the New York Post came out and was like, Taylor Swift went up and thanked everybody that helped her make the album and never thanked Travis Kelsey. And they were like, you know, she didn't know him when she wrote that album or produced that album or performed that album. Why would she thank him? But it was like, is Travis going to thank Taylor Swift for every touchdown he's ever had in the last five years? He didn't say anything about it? Oh, good. Because they normal people. <laughs> They're like, I'm pretty sure I did this. You do you. I'll do me. Um, at some point, if it uh, progresses, I'll mention you, you know, down the road. After we've dated for more than three months. It's just so weird. Yeah. It was crazy. So that's it. I was I was done. Um he was screaming, Viva Las Vegas. I said, Oh, I didn't know that. He just sang a couple lyrics. <laughs> no, he did it. Did he? He was he was not singing. What? He was? I didn't know. He yelled, Viva La Oh. They're not engaged. They're not married. They're literally just a. She was like, how do I get into this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't say you got to fight for your rights, did he? Mm-hmm. Sue, this picture is of Ruby Booby. It's made by our very famous uh, Judy from Saskatoon. It's diamond art. It's one of the first things that I ever got in the mail from all of you lovely people. And it's always been on our set, but when we keep moving the set, I didn't have somewhere to put it. So I had that table in the garage. I brought it in. That's, that's, that's how I know we found our home. That and this giant tree full of hearts. So um, he screamed, singed it, secondhand embarrassment. Wow. He did say that? He did a beastie voice fight for your rights. So about what? Why does it sound like your drunk uncle? What are you talking about? I turned it off. I went to bed. I was so tired. He did? He did the Beastie Boys? So Uncle Travis is here. Like that? Like at a wedding? That's funny. Listen, he, he well, listen, there's a lot worse things this man could be doing. If he wants to sing, let him sing. <laughs> and everyone else said to party. You gotta that's what it was like a, a like a talk back. That's hilarious. It's his catchphrase. All right, listen, he could have worse. <laughs> I've heard worse catchphrases. I have worse catchphrases. I talk about a lot of stuff. So who am I? Mm, that's the stupid thing. All right. It could have worse stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Travis. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I, I listen up to the point where he almost knocked over Andy Reid or random old people. I don't have a problem with him. So he was excited. I've never won a Super Bowl, so I don't know what I would do, but. Yeah, it could be worse. Exactly, Chris. Yeah, I'm not. Listen, good for you. If that's the kookiest thing you do, you know, have a good time. I don't know. I don't know. And in fact, I watched the clip of when Taylor Swift went up on stage to get her Grammy and she brought Lana Del Rey. She was pulling so many people up on stage. I didn't know that. I didn't watch that full clip. She was pulling this person, pulling like all these people that had contributed to her album. And everybody kept saying she was completely ignoring and dissing Celine Dion. 
That is not how I saw that moment at all. I actually saw a woman who's won more things than God, has more money than God, and yet spent the majority of her time getting up on stage, pulling people up with her. That's what I saw. And it's funny because I just saw the clip yesterday. And I remember thinking, okay, so she didn't say hi to, yeah, and she got to say hi to Celine later. But in that moment, somebody that's more concerned about bringing 24 people up there um, with her, I thought was so lovely. So, ah, uh, Usher, girl. Tell me, what's your favorite part? The part where he took a shirt off? What? What? Anybody? What? Um, okay. The beginning eh, is fine. When Alicia Keys came out, I was like, all right, now this, this is a show. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Alicia Keys. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Beautiful. And was anybody else the whole time thinking, I didn't know Usher sang all these other songs. <laughs> I was just waiting for the last song. That was the only one. I was like, oh, oh, like that. The whole time I was like, oh, Alicia. Who is this? What? I don't know. Yeah. I, all I know is, yeah, yeah. No, I loved that it was too touchy. I think she loved it was touchy. He loved it was touchy. I loved that it was ludicrous showed up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That weird red piano. I was like, is that a shoe? That's a, sh- that's a shoe. Um, I didn't see the Cetaphil commercial. No, I heard it. I was ma- trying to make homemade wings. Mm, it's okay. I have to do better. It's getting, yeah, it's getting hot in here. Why not? That would have been perfect for the part where he took a shirt off. The roller skating, when the, well, listen, the, the show definitely had high points and okay points. When they put the skates on and that whole thing looked like it was like a toilet bowl that was just moving, it wasn't a toilet bowl. Loved it. Yeah. I heard there was a streaker. So it looked, it, it, I think there might've been, I didn't see it live, but there was a picture today that I saw and it said the Kelsey brother, the third Kelsey brother needed to make an appearance. It looked like it was a, it was this big white guy with this big beard. And it did look like it could be like the third Kelsey brother who not good at football. <laughs> it was just like, I need to run out here because all my brothers are out here. It was so funny. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks for being here. Um, who knew Usher could skate between the legs and V and if you notice he came through the legs and he got stuck a little bit he was like stuck and I was like that's where I would be stuck mm-hmm. yeah no it's the whole thing yeah no but I didn't know any of the other songs I know there's only two Kelsey brothers Kathy that was a joke Kathy's like Dina Dina she only had two boys <laughs> it was a joke, Kathy. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't see the DoorDash code thing. And then did Beyonce drop some new music? I don't know. Because they remember they keep saying she was going to break the internet, she was going to break the internet. And then at the end, she was like, you can drop the new music. And I was like, what? Hi, Dina Marie. There's another Dina Marie who spells her name exactly like mine. Um... I didn't read about Mahomes' uh, father. 
I don't know. She dropped a country song. What? What? Beyonce. A country song. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know, Melanie. I'll have to, have to look at it. Um, it was a great game with two ties and TT and OT. Overtime. What's TT? TT. I don't know. Texas Hold'em is the name of the song. What? Mahomes' dad has six DUIs. What? That's so crazy. Um, so anyway, uh, so we had a great weekend um, with our guests. We're going to continue uh, trying to find some amazing guests. Uh, Michelle, sexy producer Michelle, is doing a great job uh, with all of that. And the Super Bowl, and I'm going to be with Missy uh, on Wednesday. We'll be spooning, I'm sure. And um, also doing a show on Valentine's Day. So hopefully everybody uh, has their shirt ready for Valentine's. If you're looking for your, I know it's early. We should have put these on sale after. I'm going to extend the sale through Friday because I don't think anybody's brains are on St. Patty's Day. It was like, what? Dina, why would I buy this? It's too early. I know, but we're trying to be early. And I don't know. So I'm going to just extend it till Friday. Um, and we'll see. Um, and uh, anyway, but this week, so I have I have a couple shows this week. Um, but this Thursday, I'm so excited because uh, I am starting my memoir class. Uh, I had mentioned it before with Story Summit. So Story Summit is the program that I went to this summer in Glastonbury. And... Um, and I sadly, you know, maybe it's because I'm just busy trying to still get my life together, have not written very much since I got back from Glastonbury. And what I've learned about myself is that um, I do better with accountability. So like I go to the gym with my mom and Chris, and if I don't go to the gym, they're like, why aren't you going to the gym? Um, and so I'm excited about this memoir class because I feel like, so we meet twice a month for like nine months or something crazy. Girl, I'm like, at the end of this, I'm a girl. If you can't write a book at this point, there's something. So, uh, but they have lots of different writing programs uh, through Story Summit. They just had the holiday, um, the holiday program, and they have a lot of small groups. Um, and it's just lovely because I feel like you get to meet people who are kind of into what you're into. And um, so it's super lovely. And uh, one of the leaders of the group, and they have guests that come in all the time and kind of give like um, speeches and helpful hints. And you have small groups as well. Um, but one of the fabulous leaders of the program is my friend, Julie Cantrell. I introduced you to her before. She is a New York Times bestseller. She might be one of the nicest person you'll ever meet. Uh, and I asked her to join us today because I think that um, one of the things that I need to get better at, and I feel like all of us have heard this advice, this these tips is about journaling. 
And if I was somebody that journaled all the time, I would probably have a lot more written in general because I just think that there's something good about, you know, getting stuff out. I mean, that was why I was crying pretty much the whole time we were in Glastonbury. But just that process, whether you're going through lots of change, whether, you know, for me, it was all at the same time. But if it's, you know, losing somebody you love or it's divorcing or your children growing up or you're changing jobs or you're turning 50, you know, all of these things are in our heads. And I feel like we're all looking for ways to to deal with it, uh, especially girls, especially on a Monday. So uh, please help me whack them. Whack them. Welcome back to the stage. My friend, she's laughing because I don't have proper English. Please welcome Julie Cantrell. Hey, Julie. Hey, everybody. <laughs> How, what time is it where you live? Oh, 8.15-ish, I think. Oh, I'm in Texas. Yeah, Central okay. Town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I've been enjoying laughing at the show and all the different topics. I'm like, oh, I want to comment on that. I want to comment on that. What did you think about the push from uh, from Travis yesterday? It's weird, right? It killed me because I'm a huge Travis Kelsey fan and I love mm. Taylor Swift. Are you drinking moonshine already at 8 in the morning? Like <laughs> this is my lemonade for my... I really need enjoy drink much this weekend lemonade, so. yeah. <laughs> special lemonade julie you'll see me on thursday night like this oh that's so funny um yeah i don't know what that i think they're just so charged with emotions at that point and at yes. that level and you have to like to really play at that level to have that kind of passion still is actually a beautiful thing yeah. but he's got to learn how to channel you know his energy so that I'll it doesn't hurt other people. Old people yeah i can't knock over old people yeah. i think coach reed is a understands him and they have a good relationship but look at me i'm not a i'm not a prof, uh, you know who knows who knows what goes on behind the scenes but uh yeah i don't know that was sad yeah I, was I, I, I don't like to see people lose control of their emotions to the point mm -hmm. that it affects other people in a negative yeah. way do you know what i mean i yeah. agree with you i agree yeah. with you so robin abel said i just finished into the free oh, oh thank you that so means so much to me thank that you that is <laughs> new york times best-selling book which you should all go out and get um, so, so introduce yourself just briefly. So everybody, if there were people that might be meeting you for the first time, um, and then, um, and then kind of talk about a little bit about memoir as well. Okay. I'm Julie Cantrell. I'm in Houston, Texas, and I work from home as a writer. I also teach creative writing classes through Story Summit, where I'm now the managing director. We have so many wonderful programs. That's where I met Dina and I'm just, hooked for life i just let y'all have the best community here i love it this is the second time and i'm like oh i just feel like i found my people i love this group uh, <laughs> um, i also teach a little bit for the mfa program at drexel university which is in philly but i do that online too and then i edit for private clients and for different publishing teams and literary agencies and do some ghost writing too so a little bit of everything and i love it it's a wonderful 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 life. I love it very much. And how long have you been doing it? Because this took you a while to find your your place, right? In terms yeah. of... Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I've been doing it in little bits and pieces for more than 20 years, but full time for about four years now, uh, maybe five. Um, so I really love that. I, I am also a speech language pathologist. So while my children were in school, I worked in the public schools in Mississippi, because they were there. And so I still did that. And then I used to help run our family farm, which I no longer, all of that's in a different life now. So now I'm just working from home full time, writing, editing, and teaching. And it, it's wonderful. 
it's been a lot of fun. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. But so, you need to keep writing. I'm glad you're going to be in the memoir class with us because you have a lot of important things to say and share. And I'm ready to read that book, Dina. <laughs> I know. Julie's read the dirty parts. So Julie knows all of the dirty parts of our We're like the dirty parts. <laughs> I have to write the stuff in between the dirty parts. Now, so. You are a brilliant writer because I always say the hardest thing to write is funny. It is so hard to get humor on the page and get the timing right and the tone right. And it is, I just have so much admiration for people who can be not only just be funny, but write funny. It is hard. It's a big challenge, especially yeah. when you're talking about deep stuff like you do in your memoir. So you do an amazing job. Y'all get ready because it's going to be an amazing book once you finish it. It will be. It, yeah. <laughs> so wait, so Renee just said, is it historical porn? I don't know if I. <laughs> But I, I created a new genre uh, called historical porn. Um, it would be like, so they just, I don't know if you saw it on Netflix. There's a new series called Alexander, which is like Alexander the Great. And it, it's so interesting, Jules, because it's like they show you this, like this um, archaeological dig happening in Egypt and it's like present day and it's extraordinary. And she's trying to dig down to the layer of the original Alexandria um, but at the same time, and then it bounces back and forth between this like docu-series about his life that is being acted out. And it's it's like Game of Thrones <laughs> and it's dirty and it's great. And I was saying about the Tudors, like if they taught history like this, All right. I'd be like, Vic, I'd be like, I love history. Just add a little bit of smut. You've got everybody's attention, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like the hussies are on the loose. Yeah. They, I was laughing at the, uh, the streaker last night because we didn't see him on, on, at least they just no, said we didn't either. partial streaker. I'm like, which part? You got to give us more information. <laughs> What's he missing? They actually said it was a partial streaker. That's yeah. so funny. Oh, that's so funny. I love Historical it. Um, no, I didn't even know that there was a streaker until this morning and there was a picture. And it's it was from far away and kind of green. So you just saw a big white guy with a beard. So it was just funny. They were like, there's the other Kelsey brother. Who <laughs> clearly doesn't have any skills. So he was like, I got to be seen. It was so funny. <laughs> They're it fun to so watch. Funny. It was a fun game. A really good game. Yeah, it is. Um, so we start our class on Thursday. Yes. yes. I'm so excited about it. I feel like we've been talking about it for a while, so I can't believe that it's already here. Um, but I thought it would be great. I know that you still have some openings for the class. So if you're interested, uh, you can check out storysummit.us. I put it um, above us uh, in the description. Yes. Um, but I do like, and Julie knows, like in the first, I don't know, seven minutes of meeting Ju Julie, I was hysterical crying. <laughs> I just... I just knew that I was like putting myself in a place where I would have to write and I'd have to face things. And you can see Julie's like the nicest person ever. And she was saying the nicest things to me. And I just fell apart. I was like, we're going to be best friends because <laughs> for seven minutes. Writing is so powerful, though. I mean, it, like you said, whether you're just journaling to get it out, to purge it out of your body, you know, every day, I think it's such a healthy release of all that stuff that comes at us all day, every day. But we're going to have some amazing, I'm so excited. We just um, got Stephanie Land is the uh, memoirist who wrote um, Made and Class. So she's New York Times bestseller. Her, her class just got chosen as a, a GMA book pick. Made was turned into a Netflix series. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Did you see it? It was phenomenal. And I'm just, I've been following her work for a while. I think she's amazing. So she's going to come in as one of our guest instructors during the class. And we've got lots of other top tier industry professionals coming in as guests throughout the course. So, I mean, they're going to be working with some of the top memoirists and agents and publicists and stuff throughout the year. That, um, yeah, I'm, we're excited about it. I have some others, but we haven't revealed them yet. Some people. I was going to say, I think that that's the part about, I mean, when we were in, was it the the agents class when we had Bonnie? Um, oh, Bonnie Garmus. Yeah. Traditional Garmus. Garmus class. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she is the, the writer of um, Lessons in Chemistry. Yeah. And so, you know, you've, you've all met Julie, you've, uh, you've met David and they're so lovely. And I feel like that uh, I don't know that I'm expressing enough, like the level of talent that, that you, like I saw, I'm like, yeah, I'll sign up for this publishing class. The next thing I know, I was like, is that the lady that wrote the show <laughs> on Netflix? Like it is, uh, it's amazing. The, um, the level of talent that you're bringing in is extraordinary. We do try really hard to bring in like the active top tier talents, whatever category it is, whatever class it is, you know, whether it's fiction or memoir or screenwriting or genre specific stuff or trad publishing kind of how to's, you know, we really do try to give you the whole range. There's something for everybody. We also have like free groups that people can join to write with. And there's Sunday night readings a lot of times, whether it's screenplays being acted out by different actors, you can come to the round table and like hear these films before they go to screen being workshopped. It's a, there's a lot there, a little bit for everybody. And we have need-based scholarships too available for people if, if that's an issue as well. And we have fun retreats. Like we're going back to Middlewick. Are you coming I back? I know. I keep watching <laughs> the website. I was just like, oh, what? what I know. I it love was it. amazing, wasn't it? It was I mean, so lovely. It was yeah. so lovely. And uh, I just, I, it was, it was the perfect thing for me at the perfect time. So it was good. So Wendy said, when I was dealing with marital strife, separation and ultimate divorce, I journaled a lot. I used to look back and refuel my anger. Now I look back and marvel at how far I've come. I have two friends who know where they are and have instructions to burn them. So no one, my kids can see all the angst and vitriol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say it's a safe place to pour it, you know, so we don't, so we don't go knock old people down, <laughs> you know, we have that healthy outlet, <laughs> right? So, um, so if there are people out there who, you know, what are some tips for people who, you know, maybe aren't interested in doing the full writing class, but are saying, you know what, I, I, I'm not good at writing clearly, like in terms of having the discipline to sit down and do it. Um, so do you have some tips for people? to? Yeah, help? I mean, I think you don't have to be what you consider a writer to use writing as a tool. And even if you just start every morning by just writing a list of everything on your mind, just just pour it out. Um, you know, there's Julie Cameron calls it morning pages, but just just every single thought with no filter, just put it on the page. You wouldn't believe how much clarity you get after that, just letting it all go. And then you can make sense of what the clutter is, you know, like the language has to be able to be lined up in in rational order and to make sense of things. And writing is one tool to help us do that. So we don't sit there and spin all day with anxious thoughts or negative energy or, you know, all the things that keep us down in life. I just think it's an amazing tool. Yeah. I feel like that uh, I've never, 
I have journaled when I actually have my diaries from when I was younger in college and high school. (laughs) And Jacqueline read them like that they were a book. She was like, where's the next chapter? (laughs) What happened with Rich? Like it was just so, and I don't even remember the people in the story. Um, But I do feel like at this point in my life, I do feel like if I was to sit down and write, like, I feel like, I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself that it's got to add up to something. It's got to be grammatically correct. It's got to have a point. It's got to have, but like, yeah, do you just write anything down? That's what Renee just asked. Like, what's a good way to get started? Like, does it have to be fluid? Does it have to flow? Does it have to make sense? Like, how do people stop from having to feel like it has to be perfect? I think part of that is what we do to ourselves as women, because we feel guilty taking any time at all for ourselves to do anything for ourselves that isn't serving somebody else. And so the idea of just even hiding away and writing for five minutes for ourselves feels like guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too selfish. But I think it's such a healthy practice, a healthy mindfulness kind of practice, practice to kind of clear our and not not pour it on our spouse or our children or our friends, you know, pour it into the page. That's a journal. That's just to kind of purge everything. Like we said, free flow, no filter, get it all out. Mm-hmm. Now you can mine from that to make a memoir. A memoir has to accomplish a different goal. It has to bring value to your reader. So you're going to take the life lessons that you've learned from these different experiences and kind of guide your reader forward using humor, using drama, using all the emotions and building scenes and all of that stuff. That's a whole different thing that involves craft, which we will talk about in the class. But just anybody who wants to use writing as a tool, you don't have to worry about all that. It's between you, yourself, and that's it. <laughs> and your creator, if you, you know, if you have, if believe in a higher power, which I do, you know, to me, it's always like between me and God and nobody else needs to see it or read it. And if it can benefit you in that way, I'm all for it. And there's nothing selfish about that. No guilt allowed. <laughs> there's a couple of questions. Um, do you feel like that could help one to sleep better if they did it before bed? Yes, I do. I think anytime we can clear our heads a little bit, it's helpful. And putting it down on paper, I don't know. I don't know that it helps everybody, but it's helped me my whole life ever since I was a child. And I don't think I'd still be able to I don't know. It just, I mean, life is heavy, right? We get hit with stuff all day long. It's, it's a really beautiful way to purge it all and not carry that negative energy, convert it back into something good, you know? Yeah. I remember when we, when we were in England, you know, you write all day and then you would read at night, but I would go in the morning to the cafe and I would write for a few hours and I, I would feel like I was on a roll, but then I would get to something that was super heavy and I would just start crying. The amount of crying I did when I was, but I'd just start crying in the cafe and then I'd pack my stuff up and I'd go to my room and I'd write there. And I, it was, it, it was very lethargic, uh, not lethargic, cathartic. Not lethargic. <laughs> 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 When I wrote it, after I wrote it, cathartic. it was cathartic. And then maybe I got lethargic. Um, what I'm saying is that it would make me tired. It was exhausting. I had no idea. It is. It is. Like, bringing all that up in a way, like you're saying, that had to have some type of form or purpose. Um, but I was tired. I, I was just your brain and your breathe. I'm sure my breathing, I was just, I was typing faster and faster, you know, like sometimes it took me a while to find how to start. And then it just, you know, so I think in some ways it probably could be great. 
It is. And, you know, we give writing prompts and stuff like that during a lot of these workshops and exercises. And you'd be surprised which way they steer you or direct you. But it's true. You you see how sometimes like you push all that stuff away. You just get through another day, get through another day. But it's not until you really sit down with yourself and that paper and you start processing all those emotions. And you're surprised by how much is you've been carrying in your body for that amount of time, like you needed to cry, you needed to release all that on the page and you may need to do it more than once, but once you can find that outlet, you know, like it's not all in a knot in your throat anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now Kate said, I'm from Vermont. It's been a minute. Writing is hard for me because it's been expressed to me throughout my life that I'm good at it and I should write more. I might have writer's block right now. What do you say to that person? You know, there are a lot of writers who say there's no such thing as writer's block. And I think there was a time when I used to think that too. But like a lot of you in this room, I've been through divorce and some traumatic stuff. And there was a time in my life when I was so traumatized that I could not write at Mm. all. And I had never experienced that before because I've been a writer all my life. But I, I found my way back by writing one sentence, just one sentence and and then it turned into free flow poetry and I could just get, you know, a few verses out, a few lines out a day. It was just free form. And then slowly I found my way back into writing. So I think even if all you can do is write a list of words, just words and maybe a sentence, you know, at least you're you're starting and then you can build on that. Um, but do whatever it is you can do, because finding the words for what you're feeling and what you're experiencing is important. It's important to be able to put it into language and get that language out of your body to process it. Mm -hmm. It's a helpful tool. So there are two comments. I'm going to read them both to you. They kind of uh, fall along the same line. It's hard for me to sit down and commit to writing for my book. I have all these pieces that are written and I need to puzzle it all together. And I don't know how to start. That's what Candace said. And then Mia said, I heard you don't have to write in order or from beginning to end. You can start in the end and fill in the middle. Like, do you have a process that works? Do you find that there are lots of different ways that people do it? Well, a lot of times people don't know yet what all they want to put in the book. And so, you know, that's when I'm like, start with whatever memories are rising. Sometimes it might be, you know, a favorite mug you're drinking out. I have my mug this morning, you know, so let's say there's a mug that brings you back to your grandmother's kitchen or something, you know, start with an object, start with a song, start with a place where you went on vacation as a family or whatever it is that kind of look at photograph albums. You know, if you're trying to build a memoir and you're trying to figure out what those stepping stones are of your life. And start kind of brainstorming where those crossroad moments were. Whereas if you hadn't gone through this, this, and this, you wouldn't be who you are today. So think about those moments where you made a choice and you either went left or right, but there you weren't the same after. You know, it completely changed your view of the world or mm-hmm. how you move through life. And think about those crossroad moments and that's going to kind of be your stepping stones throughout your your story that got you to where you are today. And I feel like sometimes, you know, that comes with time, you know, like Mm -hmm. time. It's very funny that in comedy, um, there is this, uh, if there was like a, an algorithm for comedy, it is, uh, like pain plus time equals comedy. Yes. Um, And without, Either pain without time is just pain or time without pain isn't really going to get you. Like there, it is kind of this interesting mesh of things. And, and I think about, you know, um, I wasn't ready to, I, I took notes over the two years that were awful for me. 
Um, and that's what I came to England with. Um, so I knew what the prompts were. I knew the stories. They were so fresh. But I had to really, there were probably 150 prompts. But I, even then, I remember having to pick which ones I was ready to deal with because some of them were just too soon still. And, you know, just being it, like you're saying at the time, all I was capable of was one word or one yeah. sentence yeah. to just say, I want to remember this. Exactly. And I can elaborate on it, on it later. Um, yeah. The only one, and I, I think I told you this, the only one I wrote during that time was the day of the actual divorce. It was the one time that I sat and wrote yeah. that day because I was just like, I don't know that I'll ever feel this awful again. Yeah. And I, I, not that I wanted to remember it, but that I just wanted to remember the gravity of it and, and just what that rawness was. And so to go back and read it, it's really hard. Yeah. Uh, is it, I know that I wrote it at the time, but anyway. Yeah. So said, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Lisa said, the reason I'm taking the class is I have all the words, but need to know how to organize a book. I'm a journalist, but I've never written something of this length. Do you think that that is intimidating? It's intimidating to me, just the memoir idea in general. It's very intimidating. And, and we get a lot of journalists who kind of transfer over to creative nonfiction or fiction writing. And the difference is a journalist is kind of trained to tell the facts and report, you know, report the, the information of a scene. But we want to build out the scenes a little bit more. And so reporting is almost like you're observing it from a from a different plane. Mm. And you're not emotionally connected to what's happening. You, you have to stay apart. Mm -hmm writing creative nonfiction or fiction, you have to go there emotionally. Emotion is what drives the story. And so uh, to me, it's all about emotion and bringing the reader into those experiences and helping them experience those emotions so that either they can heal from wounds that are similar from experiences that have been similar to yours, or they can grow more empathy and compassion and understanding for people who have had those experiences that are so different from what they've had in life. Mm. So it's important to bring the reader into that experience so that they can, you know, climb into your skin and walk around in it and understand what your life might be like, mm. even if it's very different from theirs. Now, someone said, does it matter if you use pen and paper or keyboard? I wonder what people do more. Do, do you, are people still doing pen and paper? Do you find that? Yeah, I have friends who still write their whole books longhand. I can't imagine because my hand actually hurts even just writing a thank you note now. It's gotten so yeah. bad. And right. typing is so fast and easy for me yeah, that yeah. that's my preference. I also have friends who dictate, you know, they dictate while they're walking or while they're on the treadmill. But those are three different parts of your brain, actually, that are working. So you can try to tell the same story in those three different ways, and it won't be the same language hitting the page. It's really interesting. So some people are feel more comfortable with one or the other. And I think you have to find what works with your time, your schedule, your lifestyle, and your natural communication ability. Yeah. So um, Faith wrote, I've always had a feeling like I should write a book but I don't think I'm good enough at writing. I'm constantly comparing myself to other writers and just feel inadequate. How would you combat that? Combat it. <laughs> I think, okay, first of all, I never took a writing class when I wrote my novel and I thought I have all those same insecurities. I'm teaching now for MFA programs, but I don't have an MFA. I'm teaching creative writing, but I never took writing. So I think, and I know a lot of writers like that. You know, we came in through, I say I came in barefooted through the back door. Mm -hmm. Um, I, it's kind of like comedy, you know, like you can study it in formal ways or you can take these kind of classes and stuff like we're offering online. You don't have to go get your MFA. 
you can if that's your goal, mm -hmm. but there's many routes to writing. And I don't think there, while there are craft skills that you can learn in these classes and elevate your writing and kind of learn what's expected in the market and what the readers expect, there is a very, you know, solid set of rules to learn. Mm. But anybody can learn that. As far as whether you're good or not, stop putting yourself on that scale. Write, write the truth that you need to write and it has value. It doesn't matter if the grammar's right or the the commas are in the right place. The truth is what matters mm. The message that you have to offer. So Diane said, I feel like I have a story to tell based on being a mom with a son with a disability and what we've experienced. But I wonder who would be my audience and who would care? Well, that's one of those barriers that we have in our heads. You know, these negative who, who cares? Who cares what I have to say? I don't have anything of worth to offer. I'm not a good writer. I'm too old. I don't know anybody. I don't know how to do this. We can put a million hurdles in our way to make excuses why we don't need to do this. But I really believe that everybody has a story that matters and everybody has somebody out there who needs to hear that story. Mm -hmm. So if you have ever felt that pain point and being alone, being a mom with a child with disabilities, trying to walk through that very scary journey and figure out how to navigate IEPs and doctor's appointments and diagnosis and medical codes and all of that stuff, um, there's another mom out there going through it too. And she might be 10 steps behind you in that journey. And the light that you can offer her to guide her down that path is going to make her feel less alone, more seen, more heard, more understood, more at peace, more prepared. So I think you do have something of value to offer. Whether you're a writer or not, you are a mom who knows this pain and knows how to get through it. Mm -hmm. And there's another mom out there waiting to understand how to get through it too yeah. and needing, needing some hope you know, to get through the next day, the next breath sometimes. Yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, I think that with, I mean, comedy is just the storytelling part of what yeah. you're so good at. Um, but I do, you think, you know, you think, I feel like one thing I've learned from comedy is you think that whatever your pain is, that it's only your pain, that you're the only one that's going through it. And what I've learned uh, pretty early on um, was whatever I was, the more pain, like I remember one night, having a big fight with my ex and right before I left for a show. And it was, I was like, you realize I have to go be funny. This is the opposite <laughs> right before I go out. And I was so mad. I'd never been so mad before. And I was, I was still holding on to it when I got to the club and I was trying to do my, I was just, you know, trying to act normal, like every woman in the world, like it didn't happen, didn't matter. And it wasn't bothering me. And, you know, women, but, your stuff, but, I, <laughs> but I just couldn't, I was just still so mad and something happened. I don't know if it was somebody I saw in the audience or some guy that just looked at me twisted and just triggered everything. But I just remember just falling apart and be like, I'm done. I'm done with your face. I'm done with my guy's face. Like I just... And I went off and I told this story of this fight of what had happened. And I, in my, from my perspective, full breakdown. I'm like, this is not what's supposed to be happening. <laughs> I could see in the audience, just so many women just doing this. Like, this when you just, right before we got here, the guy's like, this is and it was so funny to just be able to visually see that, you know, like most of the time. Now, if people are having breakdowns, people just get their cameras and record it. But oh, yeah. in that moment, in that setting of comedy, they thought I was doing a bit. I was like, this is therapy. I'm in therapy right now, and I should tell you all. But it was just so funny. There is just this camaraderie uh, to these moments. And Caitlin says... Um, 
this is why I'd like to write a book about my own life between anxiety and bipolar. I'm very passionate about mental health. I want people to understand how our brains work and can work so differently. And I think that that's so important. I think the more, the more that people talk about the importance of mental health and owning where you are and getting resources and help and not, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And it, the, the more that we do it and the more that we talk about it is great for everybody. Um, So I think that that's, uh, that's a lovely thing. I've always been pulled to write something about my childhood and getting out of some of the things I went through in my brain. But I feel like if family members would take it personally, uh, but not their thought and nothing, not their fault and nothing to do with them. What, what do you say to people who feel <clears throat> limited uh, to tell their story because perhaps it might involve other people? This is the most common question we get with memoir because oftentimes we are, the way we've learned our lessons is by going through some pain. And oftentimes that pain is caused by people we love. And the last thing we want to do is add more pain into the world, right? We don't want to use our memoir as a tool for revenge. We don't want to pump out more hurt, more negative energy. There's enough in the world. So we want to take all the hurt that we've survived and convert it back into something positive, a a message of hope, a message of resilience, a message of forgiveness and grace. It doesn't mean what happened is okay. It means I took what happened, all that bad, and this is what I'm going to mine good of it. And this is how I'm going to go forward with my soul still intact and not let it devour me and harden me and make me bitter and all of those things, right? We don't want to become the monster of our stories, Mm. even if we've been devoured by a monster. We don't want to end up as the monster. And so that's what a memoir is. How do you get through these these moments in life and not become the monster? Mm. Um, So to me, I think if you go at it from a lens of love, and a lens of grace and forgiveness and kindness and positivity, you're always in the right. Um, it's never good to, to do it as a tell-all or a way to hurt people. Another approach is to get your family on board if you can, at least the part, the members of your family that can be on board. Let them be a part of it. Write it together. Let them read some of your scenes that involve them and get their approval before, you know, that's an option. Now, some people say don't bother doing that until you're ready to publish it. Because if you don't publish it, it's not worth uh, Uh, any friction. Do you know what I mean? So if you wait until the point where, okay, I'm signing a book deal, or I'm about to self publish this, or I'm going to go ahead and put it out there on the market. Let me let my family read it before other people read it and get their responses. And I'm the opposite. I'm going to make a list of all the people that are not allowed to read the book. Number one is my mom. My mom, my kids, the priests at church, <laughs> all the nuns. Um, I, mean, I like or respect. It should not be. <laughs> Yours is so funny, though. I mean, um, so I'm going to ask you this question from Heather Block, but I want you to answer it for people who are writing, mem- are interested in writing memoir, and those who are journaling. It's a very simple question. Should you have an outline? Did you answer? Oh, she- yeah. Okay, so an outline is always a good idea because it kind of gives you the building blocks, the spine. Like I was talking about those crossroads or those pivotal moments that form the stepping stones. You can almost think of them as snapshots you're you're putting out as the spine or the track of the story. It doesn't mean you have to stay to that if you get involved in writing it and you think of something else you want to insert or this one doesn't quite fit with that theme anymore. 
you know, you can't write your whole life in one memoir. That's a big piece that people don't understand. You don't want to, you just want to narrow in on one theme Mm -hmm. and people can have more than one memoir. So if you're writing about your, your drug recovery, you know, from addiction, stick to scenes that led you to addiction and got you out of addiction. If you're talking about divorce, stick to scenes that led you into that relationship and what you learned getting out of that relationship. Anything that's, that doesn't really apply to that track that spine, we're going to save for another book or Mm -hmm. website copy or blog copy or articles or something else. It doesn't all need to go in one book. So that's why an outline is helpful. It helps kind of narrow down and get you in your container or your bookends or or the box that you're going to build this story around. So look about like Tara Westover wrote educated. Her theme is on education. Her story is really about breaking free from an abusive family system, but she boxed it all in the container of education. It opens with her seeing a school bus going by and she realizes she's not like those kids because she's homeschooled and isolated from life. And then it ends with her breaking free and going off to get a, a, you know, an Ivy League education despite every obstacle in her way. Now, it's really about a lot more than that, but you contain it in a theme like that. And that's why an outline is helpful to kind of line up your thoughts as you're as you're brainstorming on the early end, you can adapt it as you need to as you go. So uh, Christine said, I feel I have a story with a child with autism and OWDD, which I would love to be able to share and tell others that don't totally understand it. What do you do after you write it? Yeah. So the good news is now there's so many different ways of getting a story to shelves. There used to only be one way. You had to get a literary agent. The agent had to sell it to a traditional publishing house and the publishing house would distribute it to bookstores. Now, because of all the online retail that's available, people can also self-publish. So if you don't land an agent in a traditional book deal, which you might, but if you don't, you have other options now. You can either self-publish it on your own or you can hire a hybrid publisher to handle that technology part, all the pieces for you. So you give them your manuscript. They take care of editing it, formatting it, distributing it on Amazon and other online booksellers and stuff like that. You have to be careful. There's some scams out there and you need to be very careful. Uh, but there are the, the good news is there's many ways now anybody can get their book published if they want to. Yeah. And you will spend either time, energy or money. And, you know, you have to choose which one you have available to spend. Mm-hmm. But you can do it. Yeah. And there was a great, uh, the publishing class I thought was super interesting. And that one, Christine, um, wasn't that expensive. And it was, I feel like maybe three in a row and then one the first Sunday of every month. Um, and they have been wonderful. And because you're getting people at lots of different uh, parts of the journey, some people have completed their book, some people are starting their book. And so everybody was coming at it from a different perspective. And there was always like a Q&A at the end. So like, I don't ever talk when I'm in the class. I'm really quiet. I'm, I'm a listener. Um, but uh, it was interesting, because it was nice that there were different people that were asking questions at different places. Because again, I feel like I'm always behind. I feel like I'm not a writer. This isn't my thing. So I always I feel like more of a just watcher. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll I'll learn something just by being in the room and listening to people. Um, Heather wrote, what do what do you do if you feel overwhelmed with the amount of crosses in your life, like in terms of journaling or being able to start getting mm-hmm. that out? 
Yeah. So what I like for when I first start working with a client and we kind of brainstorm that list of memories and then we kind of highlight the big pivotal ones, you know, that those before and after moments that we talked about. And then we kind of highlight well, which ones all fall into the same similar theme that could be packaged together. And that's how we kind of start narrowing down because we all have gazillions of memories, right? Gazillions of experiences that could go in there. So you just kind of narrow it, narrow it, narrow it until you kind of hone in on what's that one message you want to give the world. Is it about parenting a child with autism? Okay, so everything in that you're only going to mind the memories that apply to that piece of your journey. And that's how you kind of narrow it down. And like I said, the rest can be used for another book or another project, but that's how you kind of focus in on one key part of your life so that you can make it into one succinct book. And that was the thing. Um, Cause I feel like the same with comedy, the, the worst thing you could do with comedy is edit yourself. And so even on this trip, there were things that I would start writing about and then somehow would go into something completely different. Yeah. And, you know, after a few days when I looked at everything, I was like, I don't know why I wrote this. I don't know what this, this doesn't really fall into what you were talking about. So instead I just copied, pasted, and I, I so I have a file called book. That's mm-hmm. the one I'm working on. And then I have a, a separate file that says book two. And yeah. yes. it doesn't go in book. <laughs> Maybe it'll be in book two. So I don't trash okay. it. Um, and I, I, I enjoy the process. Like I'm like, for some reason, this is what my body wanted and my mind wanted to talk about today. I'm not going to stop it from talking about it. I'm just going to give it a couple of days and say, this probably doesn't belong here. Let me put it here. So, so I do feel like it's not a waste. Um, I'll just put it over here for now. But I think that's really important. I think that's kind of the big picture of what you were saying is that, you know, don't edit yourself. Just mm-hmm a person that can just kind of write free and yeah you know, let your mind take you where it needs to take you yeah so um truly and cool. another exercise i find really helpful is to try to write the scene from another person's perspective mm. so try to write it from the perspective of the person who hurt you or upset you in that moment and try to get into their mind and understand what made them make that choice. Now, I'm not trying, again, I'm not saying whatever happened to you is okay or right. I'm not. But it helps us to to process and understand their limitations and their capacity and their triggers if we kind of put ourselves in a different perspective. It's very healing. It really I was going to say, to me and a number of people when we were on this trip about about writing from someone else's perspective. And it literally blew my mind because I was so into, well, this is my story. This is my perspective on what happened, but I was getting stuck or things were just too hard. Um, And so it never dawned on me to, to do that, but it was just what a different way to think about it. And who knows what you get out of that. And I think that, uh, I think that the thing that I really try to do is to tell my perspective uh, and my journey and my arc. But I can see that, you know, even when there were fights happening at any point, you know, if you take a minute to look at the other side, you're like, well, maybe we both had to grow up a little bit, you know, maybe <laughs> we both had some lessons to learn. Uh, Joey Joe said, can Julie sit in my pocket for a few days? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the best you guys I knew you were gonna love her um and uh one of the things I think that you said today Julie that was um super powerful was 
to be able to write uh, and understand, but to be able to get those stories out, but to not become the monster. I think yes. that I think that there's a lot of us that have um, gone through things, and I I think that I started to change uh, because of what I was going through, and I didn't like what I was becoming. And I had to just kind of stop myself and mm-hmm. just say, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want to be here. And I, I would rather leave and and see what is next for me in in my journey. Uh, but I don't want to join this person on this journey. And so, um, and you know, it might have been the same on the other side. And so, I think that that's a a really important perspective uh, for people to hear that you can deal with things and still maintain who you are or get back to who you are yeah. and put yourself in a, in a good situation. So, um, so whether uh, you are going to decide to get yourself, I listen, I don't know why Julie, cause it's so funny cause I don't journal very much, but the idea of going out and buying a new journal that is <laughs> and fresh, it's like mm-hmm. a new life. You're like, I'm going to fill this with stuff one day if I'm a person that can sit down for five minutes. But there's something really wonderful about getting an empty book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if some of you have been thinking about writing, perhaps you might want to join us. We start our memoir class on Thursday. Thursday. Um, it is a commitment of time, money, and energy, like Julie said, um, but hopefully it will be well worth it if it's something that you always wanted to do um, and just weren't sure where to start. Uh, and if nothing else, maybe just a great cathartic or lethargic. Uh, <laughs> 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 Choose your own adventure um, or, uh, or just join us and yeah, go, go get some journals and just be, whether it's in the morning or at night, uh, just to get things on paper. And um, yeah, my daughter gave me an empty book. Now I'm going to have to fill it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And even if it's, I mean, I like, um, I remember when the kids were younger, when I was journaling, I journaled for a long time before I had kids for, I guess, myself. Um, but then I started journaling and writing to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was real different for me to just be able to say, like, this is what I'm going through right now. Here are the lessons that I learned. I hope that when faced with this, it was just a very different perspective. And it's fun to kind of go and look at those journals as well. But I do find and I think that there's parts of it that when I write my memoir, um, I have two daughters and mm-hmm. uh, and a lovely son. And I hope that, you know, there are lessons that they can learn as well and, and finding their voices and sticking up for themselves and knowing when to put themselves into good, what, what is a good place for me? I think it's a, it's a, it's an important question. Is this a good place for you? And if it's not a good place for you, where is your good place? And sometimes your good place is just with you and that's fine too. So um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, so let's hear for Julie Cantrell. Thank you all so much. This is so fun. I just want to be with you every morning, Dina. Oh, well, <laughs> to have you. I just think that you're so good at this, and I think that you're so good at teaching people. Um, there's just a calmness about you. I think that there's Aww. just a, something that just you know gets people to just really think about where they are and where they're going, and um, and to to think about the things that we're all trying to avoid, which 
it's not anything anybody wants to do or is easy. So it's not, but it's so important for us to continue growing as human beings in our, in our path. And the other thing we do in the class too, I just wanted to say really quickly is we meet in a large group every other Thursday, but the alternate Thursdays, you're actually with a group of peers. So four or five peers that will help hold you accountable and keep you moving forward. And you're sharing your work together. And I think that's the most important part of these kind of classes is building that network and community of support like y'all have here, you know, it's that part's priceless <laughs> for sure. It is. It yeah. is. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you on Thursday, Julie. Thank, Thank you so much for being here. All Tell right. You. I'll see you soon. <laughs> y'all have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. She's so great, you guys. Um, I hope that uh, you get a chance, whether it's the memoir class, maybe it's just journaling for yourself, uh, but check out storysummit.us. Um, because they do also have some great free programs and it might just be something that, and it's so funny cause I'll, I'll join, uh, and, um, you know, there might be 50 or 60 people in some of these classes and like 40 of them will have their cameras on and they're just like this. I have my camera off and I, and I just listen and I just, you know, kind of fart around the kitchen and do my things. But, um, you know, sometimes it's just great to be able to um, to hear and be inspired by other people's journeys or, um, you know, what they're working on. Uh, it is a really good start to a week, you guys. I, I just I'm a big fan. I've never been uh, very good about writing consistently uh, or writing at all <laughs> other than on stage. Um, but uh, but I think it's it's a it's a, it's a, it's an easy, it's a, you don't girl, you don't have to go to the gym. <laughs> you know, they said going to the gym is real therapy. Yeah. 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 What's right below the gym. <laughs> it's called a pencil. Um, so maybe this might be, um, something that you want to check out, but, uh, the links are in Facebook and in YouTube, um, TikTok, they're not on your page, but you can go and, and check out the full shows and all the links. Um, after the show, but, uh, but that's it for everybody, uh, for today, I will be on the road. I'll be here tomorrow and Wednesday. I'll be on the road Thursday. Um, but yeah, some fun stuff coming up. Um, so hopefully got some inspiration on Monday. I will see, um, our supporters tonight at nine for ugly Monday. I do write on a computer moon. Um, I type faster than I write. And, uh, I find it easier. I tend, I tend to just, I really try not to edit myself. So I tend to just bleh and write it all out. And then being able to work on the computer, I can kind of move things around and just kind of see, you know, how it all fits together. So it works for me. Um, but, uh, but that's it, everybody. So thanks for joining us this beautiful Monday. I know. Thanks, Chris. I really love, I love Julie. And I love what they're doing with Story Summit. And I love that they do offer free programs, lots of uh, varied programs uh, for lots of different interests. So hopefully there's something uh, that you might love uh, in there as well. But um, but that's it for today. So I'll see supporters tonight. Uh, see everybody else tomorrow. Uh, if you want to get your Lucky Charm shirt, still too early because we haven't had Valentine's yet. I know that now, but it's fine. Um, so we'll keep these on sale till Friday if you'd like to check it out. Um, but check out the newsletter if you get a chance. And uh, that's it. And it's time for Jacqueline to wake up. So I'm going to go wake Jacqueline up. 
but thanks for watching. Like Judy from Saskatoon says, do something nice for yourself or others today. And uh, have a great day and a blessed day. And I will see you guys soon. Thanks for watching. Bye. Hey, guys. If you enjoyed today's morning show, make sure to follow us for more One Funny Mother content. Okay, all right. Morse code is tapping. And check out OneFunnyMotherStore.com for great, new, inappropriate swag. And for more exclusive content, consider becoming a supporter. She got a bad leg. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow on One Funny Morning. Boop, boop. <laughs> he got